back. This is Studio 7500, and we're here with our next guest. Well, our only guest for the show, I think. Um, we are here with an alumnus, Austin Hutcherson. You looked at me as if you weren't sure if you should say... Alumni? Alumni? Alumna? Alumnus? Alumni? I love that. But you got it right the first time. Alumnus. I should get this right after working here at Woodbury for two and a half years, but I did get it right. Yes. Anyway, back to Austin Hutcherson, who is uh, a master's of architecture graduate uh, from the class of 2017. Welcome to the show, Austin. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thank you for joining us on such short notice. No problem. So uh, Austin, let's just start from the beginning. Tell me about yourself. Uh, Let's see. Born and raised in Los Angeles, California. Uh, live in Inglewood now, uh, right where they're building the. Uh, oh Ram wow! Yeah. That, that huge, huge. Yep, right place. there. We can talk about that a little bit later. <laughs> yeah, traffic. <laughs> this More is traffic. your area. Yep. I mean, is this it, is, yep. You know. <laughs> so yeah, born and raised Los Angeles, California. Uh, went to high school, Brentwood School over in uh, Brentwood, yeah. right five minutes from UCLA. Um, went off to the University of Arizona. For undergraduate, mm-hmm. uh, and then made my way back out here to LA uh, for my master's architecture. Uh, one of the things we'd like to ask, you know, either current students or alumni, is how did you end up at Woodbury? So, like, you studied architecture in Arizona, and then you're you're thinking, okay, I want to continue on, get a graduate degree. Did you know about Woodbury at that time? Like, talk a little bit about that. I'm curious. So it's actually a long story. Very long story. We got time. (laughs) We've got an hour here. (laughs) So I did study architecture at uh, Arizona. Um, Started in 2009, right out of high school. Um, And started out all right. uh, But the program had took some changes as, you know, midway through Mm -hmm. the five-year program. Um, and as a result, you know, it was delaying me and a group of other students from, you know, graduating on time. Mm-hmm. There was just too many changes, a lot of, uh, different rules as far as, you know, classes and it just turned into a huge fiasco. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a result, you know, it's already a five-year program. Right. Any other program is about four years. Um, and it just really came down to a, a financial thing, you know, as far as being in an out-of-state school, mm-hmm. uh, cost over 30 grand, right. <laughs> you know. So uh, I decided to opt out of the architecture program mm-hmm. at Arizona, um, graduate with a different degree, and then I would decide what I wanted to do from there. Um but in the process, you know, I decided, yeah, I want to come back to California, Los Angeles. Um, and I just started looking up architecture schools. Literally remember the day I went to the library in Arizona, uh, the university library, and I just typed in architecture schools in, in Los Angeles. You know, and of course I got the the USC's, the UCLA's and mm-hmm. You know, Arizona is a big school and I was just like, All right, I'm I'm done with the big school feel. Like I, I know what that's like. Uh-huh. Let's see if there's something smaller. Um, and so the two options that I came up with were Cal Poly Pomona um, and Woodbury University. Uh, and I had never even heard of Woodbury. Lived here all my life. Never You're knew, not alone. Never knew this place existed. 
um, driven by it many times. You and thought it was a, a cemetery, right? <laughs> We've heard that before. Yeah, we, we now that be you doing... say that, I, I, could, I could see somebody Maybe a park. A, I don't know. <laughs> a park, you know, something. A super nice park. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, uh, looked up to two schools and I was, you know, I decided that I was going to pursue a second bachelor's uh, degree. Um, I wasn't really too thrilled about getting a master's. Um, sure. And so I applied to the school, um, did an undergraduate uh, application, and I met with uh, the admissions person, and then they had had me meet with the architecture department. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they kind of looked at everything, and then they said, wait, you know, you already have a bachelor's degree. You've already taken over half the credits for, you know, the architecture degree. Um how about we put you in the master's program? Mm -hmm. You know, they were like, you'd get out of here quicker. Uh, you wouldn't have to do another X amount of years. It'd be a quick two years. And yeah, it was quick. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, that that's how I came about coming to Woodbury and uh, get my master's. Why didn't you want to um, get a master's in the beginning? Um, it just, it, it always seemed... As like, I don't know. Nobody ever. Even, it wasn't like somebody said, "Oh, like what's the point?" Basically, yeah, yeah. For, yeah. To me, it was, it was, it was, it was kind of a "What's the point?" And that seems difficult. Now, do you feel the same way now after having done it, or has, after doing it, it, best decision of my life? You know, I it, to 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 be fair, it wasn't even that I didn't think I was master's material. It was just it never crossed my mind. Mm -hmm. um, and so with that never crossed my mind. It was, it was just never on the table for me, you know? Um, but yeah, it, it was the greatest experience I ever had. Um, I mean, in the architecture program here itself is, you know, top of the line. Uh, one of the problems that I have with the architectural profession, as far as the school portion, um, is the fact that they don't teach the business side of architecture, you know, mm -hmm. they teach the theory, the, mm -hmm. the, you know, the, the, the drafting and so forth, but they don't teach you how to kind of maneuver in the business and, and, uh, you know, eventually go off on your own. Right. Um, Note but, taken. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that is important. You're not the first yeah. person who's said something like that. And it's true with a lot of, uh, you know, disciplines. a lot of our disciplines. I yeah. Mean, um, but, uh, it's a, an important point, yeah. obviously. I mean, and, and here they, they teach it all. You know, oh, so they do teach the business side of they architecture do. here. They do. Okay. I mean, you That's just, good to hear. with anything you have to, you have to know what classes you're signing up for. You have to know, uh, you know, what you want out of the program and coming in the master's program, I knew what I wanted out of it. Um, but then you have those schools like Arizona where they don't teach it and they're not mm. trying to teach you, you know, the, the other side of uh, architecture. So it, it, this, this school to me is, has, is, is a blessing in disguise. Great. The, um, I was going to ask like, what was architecture something you were always interested in? Like going back when you're a little kid, like how did that, or was it like, you know, did you get to a point where like, I got to figure out what I want to do. And then like, how did that work out? A little bit of both, a little bit of both. So, I mean, Growing up, I was, you know, that kid that played with the Legos, the Lincoln Logs. Um, and then coming up in school, math was always my my strong suit uh, uh, subject in school. And so when it came time 
to apply to college, it was like, all right, well, what do you want to do? You know, and it's like, I don't know. I just got out of high school. <laughs> yeah, graduation was it's last a tough week. time yeah. to ask, yeah. you know, to put kids on the spot. Right. Especially, I mean, and you start applying what late 11th grade, 12th grade, right. you know, it's like, you still don't really know what you of want to not. do. And so, uh, yeah, I, I said, let's, let's try architecture. You like buildings, you like, you know, uh, manipulating building blocks and, and, and so forth. If you understand math, you understand physics, uh, let's 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 shoot for it. Um, and so, yeah, that that that's how I got into the, the field. We were interviewing recently another architecture student or alum. yeah, current student. I yeah. Parsons Pars- yeah. an alum, I believe. No, She's current oh, student. Sorry. You're messing it up, Jamie. <laughs> Oops. I always anyway. mess things up. One of the things that's interesting about architecture is like some people come into it and they're like really good at drawing or maybe they're like with in her case, Parsa, who we spoke to, she was really concerned about the the um, um, fabrication side of things mm-hmm. like, you know, uh, I don't know how to use a table saw. Yeah. Like, I'm not yeah, sure yeah. I can put together models, that kind of thing. Like. How did you handle all the different things you have to do? Um, so, yeah, I, just like her, that was all a major concern for me. Um, you know, day one, when you go into an architecture program, you know, they, they, they hand you a paper and say, hey, here's your first project. You know, you have to uh, do these drawings. You have to build this and present, you know, at the end of it. And you're just like, whoa, like I've never done this before. Um, and... I think every architecture student struggles with figuring out how to do all of that. You know, you know how to draw and you can kind of understand, you know, the, the, they call it the structure side behind, uh, you know, a particular building or drawing or whatever, but the draw, I mean, the, the, the modeling side, you kind of just have to push yourself into it and feel your way through it, you know, and understand that you're not going to get it right the first time. Um, and what you later learn is, you know, no one part of your project has to be perfect. And I think that's what a lot of students get caught up on, you know, not finishing projects, you know, cranking it out the night before trying to get everything, uh, you know, done. It's like, you have to get everything to a level, you know, your, 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 your drawings, your model, uh, and your, your verbal presentation, just get everything to a level to where you can get your idea across instead of trying to have like a, mm-hmm. a super great model, uh, medium drawings and a poor presentation or any, any spectrum of the three, you know? So, uh, and I really did not master that until I got here, you know, before that it was like still trying to figure it out, you know? And I, I don't know. I, I some people are able to, to, to manage it, uh, earlier than others, but it, I think if architecture students could take one bit of advice from, from day one, it's just figure out how to get everything to a level to where you can get your idea across and the rest will come, you know, just yeah. they'll, they have the, the, the classes where they teach you how to use uh, the table saw mm-hmm. or, you know, the, the, the fabrication machine, the 3d printer, you know, you'll get all of that. So don't, feel bad or discouraged about not knowing how to use it, you know, cause nobody knows how to use yeah. it unless you have that at home right. back in high school, but that's extremely rare, you know? So yeah, that's great advice actually mm-hmm. for even beyond architecture. Yeah. So that's, totally. that's really good. So do you have any, um, 
What, were, what are some of the highlights of your time here at Woodbury? Oh, man. Good or bad? And be honest, because we're very authentic <laughs> here. If you're like, you know, the food sucked. <laughs> That's well, fine. Or whatever, do, whatever. do you have any mentors or anyone that you, any class or or uh, professor that you really clicked with and got along with? Um, I really, and this is not just to, you know, <laughs> not offend anybody, but I really enjoyed all of the professors at Woodbury. Um, I would say as far as mentors, um, while I was here, I did, uh, I did have an on-campus job, uh, just to, you know, make extra money to pay for models and, uh, you know, paper for drawings and materials. And so I worked with, uh, Damon and Patty in the, oh, uh, Office of Advancement. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. So I was their, uh, student worker and, you know, they, I, I call them my, my campus mom and dad because they, they really took care of me, <laughs> yeah, you know. They're the best. If I needed we work to, with them closely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love them. If I if I needed a day off, you know, to work on a project, they were like, no, nah, go ahead, you know, like school first, you know, we come second, mm -hmm. you know. Um but yeah, they were great. Um and all the teachers here I love them. Uh now if we were talking about Arizona, that'd be a different story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but well, how was the transition, you know, coming from a massive institution mm -hmm. you know where i'm sure you're a, like, where you're a number <laughs> yeah and you're like taking like shuttle buses yeah, or whatever literally <laughs> coming to to a really small community like how is that transition i'm sure that there are positives and negatives but i'm curious about that i would say here everybody knows everybody or at least you've seen the face mm -hmm. and you see the face on a, a regular basis at a bigger school I mean, you might see a new person every day. You might see a couple of people that, you know, and you go to your classes, your professor, but it's at a large university, it's, it's easy to get lost. Um, it's easy to get lost uh, from a, a, a grounding standpoint, I would say, and just mm -hmm. knowing that you're comfortable. And then it's easy to get lost in that you could get caught up in everything else that's going right. around around the campus, you know, the, the social life, uh, Greek life or this or that. Mm -hmm. um, here at Woodbury, you know, the smaller setting, you still get all of that, but it's not too much. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's, and then at, at, the same, at the same time, I was in the master's program. At, at that point in my life, I'm, I'm done doing the socializing. Right. You know, I'm not really trying to be a part of the scene. I'm just here, you know, to get my degree in kind of move on to the next stage so um i don't know i think it would be interesting if i was here for undergraduate you know and i did it the reverse way and went to a mm -hmm. bigger school for my master's don't know how it would change but you may never have gotten your master's right exactly so. <laughs> let's um uh, i'm sorry no no, no um, go ahead. so you graduate you get your master's in 2017 right yes and then let, let's talk about your career like where you went from there and yeah, yeah. so uh, while I was here, I took advantage of everything that I possibly could. And to go back to your other question, you know, what was your one of your best memories? Um, I was one of the students to uh, that founded the uh, NOMA chapter for Woodbury, which is the That's National great. Organization Minor Minority Architects. Oh, nice! Um, and we did a competition. Wonderful. We lost, um, but you know, I. I was proud about that moment, Absolutely. you know, being a part of uh, starting something here. I don't know if it still exists, but it does. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's good to hear. <laughs> um, but yeah, what was? 
Um, your career. So you graduate. You, graduate. You move it into. Or let's back up to internships. Did you do any internships while you were here? Um, try to. I mean, I've I architecture. Finding an internship in architecture is extremely hard. It's very mm -hmm. competitive because you've got uh, thousands of students all over the nation, and everybody wants to go to the big metropolitan city, L.A., New yeah. York, Chicago. Saturated. Right. right. You know, because that's where you're going to get the most experience. So, you know, there was never any point where I wasn't applying to an internship. It's just a matter of landing one. Mm -hmm. You know, it, uh, them answering your email or your phone call to, to even get, an interview, you know, so there was, I, I tell people all the time, you know, I applied to, in my whole college career, over a hundred internships. Oh my goodness. You wow. know, and I finally didn't land one until, well, no, I, that's, I, I landed one in the summer after my sophomore year in Arizona. And then my next one in the field of architecture was after I graduated from here. Okay. Um, and so I went to the the, the architecture career fair mm -hmm. that they had here and uh, met uh, a development company, uh, Kusamano Real Estate Group, uh -huh. mm -hmm. uh, right over there in Burbank. Mm -hmm. And uh, I met two people that worked there. They happened to be alumni from Woodbury, um, handed them my resume, portfolio, had a nice conversation with them and... Uh, next thing I know, like a week later, they're like, hey, we want you to come in for an interview. You know, so did the interview a uh, couple of days later. Hey, we'd like to offer you a, a, a three month position, um, you know, over the summer uh, here at our company. So that's how I got my foot in the door. Um, and then from there, you know, did the summer internship. And actually my supervisor that was at the Kusamano Real Estate Group. Uh, his best friend I work with now at uh, my current position, AMJ Construction Management, uh, as a project manager. And uh, it was it was literally a word of mouth. So I got my full-time career from, you know, word of mouth, both Woodbury alumni. Connections. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. beautiful. What are, what are some of the things you do? Um, so our company, we are... Our company's name is AMJ Construction Management, but it really confuses pretty much everyone we deal with, you know, they're like, wait, so are you a general contractor or, you know, what, what are you guys? And we are a, in the, in the development world, it's, it's truly construction management. And what that is, it's a owner representative, um, a, a, a real estate development owner representative. That's what we are. And so, um, what we do is we help various clients, uh, build their projects from, you know, conception to lease up. Mm -hmm. um, our bread and butter is affordable housing, low income and homeless housing. So we do a lot of work uh, down in Skid Row. I mean, all over the county. I've got projects up in Palmdale, Long Beach, El Monte, you know, just all over. Um, and so what I specifically do, I'm a project manager and, uh, you know, I'm assigned to maybe two or three developers and, you know, any project that they have, I'm their designated AMJ representative, and we keep track of their budget. We make sure that their general contractors are performing. Uh, we help them select architects. We stay on the architects to get questions answered from the general contractors. Um, we're basically the infield kind of orchestrator mm -hmm. for you know a building that can be built, um, and. You know, you may say, well, where does the architecture come in, blah, blah, blah. Um, 
it's pretty much all of that. You know, as an architect, uh, you know, you may design a building, but then you've got to have somebody that is out in the field, uh, you know, at least once a week coming to troubleshoot problems and answer questions for the general contractor. Um, us as an owner representative, you know, we do a little bit of all of that and we help out the architects, you know, kind of troubleshoot design problems. So say, you know, they design this amazing facade, you know, well, on a on an affordable housing project, mm. you know, we've only got a certain budget that we can deal with. So we have to help, we, we help them make the decisions to scale back the design to where, you know, the design integrity is still there. Um, the, you know, the, the purpose of the design is still there, but stay within the budget. That actually brings me to another question, because I always wonder about the, the sort of tension that exists between an architect who's sort of dreaming up something and the actual builders. Right. Yeah. Because <laughs> I imagine there's a lot. Right. There is. that. That's also my one issue with the 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 education side of architecture and then the the professional working world part of it because in school they don't teach you about budgeting they don't they don't throw a budget at you and say you know hey you got to stay within this budget uh make a project you know or design this they just uh you know they 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 give you a theory like oh, i don't want to call it theory just dream it up yeah yeah, yeah. it's it's sky's basically the limit. in school sky's the limit there's there's no there's no real uh, there's no boundaries, and in the real world it's like well you've got a budget you know and we do run into a lot of problems with you know architecture firms because it's like you know they built this they well they designed this this wonderful building and you're like that's great but <laughs> you know we can only spend thirty million dollars that's a forty five million dollar building or this that's a a, a little less a thirty three million dollar building so how can we scale that back you know. Yeah. to f to fit within the budget. Um and in the process, I mean, actually a lot of what I do is helping architects understand uh their design uh more. Mm -hmm. You know, and just understand the cost impacts behind what you're designing. Hey, this facade costs way more than if we did this. Right. You know, so in the future, you can now decide, hey, maybe we scale back on something over here. Uh, so that we can get the the cool facade that we want, or maybe we scale back on, uh, you know, something more functional as far as like a finish, so that we can get the killer, you know, glass railing or you mm -hmm. know, whatever, you right? Know. Right, and I'm sure that has a lot of implications. When you're talking about low income housing, obviously, yeah. so which we'll talk more about. Yeah, no, I, I'd like to talk about that now because obviously that's a huge problem here in Los Angeles and a lot of other big cities. Um, I'd like to know what your um, feeling is about the homeless crisis and what developers and architects and contractors can do to help alleviate the problem. That's a big question, but yeah, that was, <laughs> that was a little much. <laughs> and it's obviously a multifaceted. Yeah, yeah. you don't have all the answers, but right. what are your thoughts on? Um, so I would I would say this, according to Los Angeles County and the City of Los Angeles. We've built already uh, the amount of housing that is necessary to house the homeless population, you know. And at the same time, we've still got a huge homeless community. Um, and, you know, people say, well, why are people still on the streets, you know, or this or that? And 
that's really the multifaceted question because you know we built we built the buildings we built the, the housing but there's another component to it there's the mental health issue um you know there's just getting them back on track to living a normal life so i think that's really what we're finding out in you know the line of work that i do is that there's a bigger issue it's not just that there's no housing that's affordable it's that they need more resources you know so it's it's beyond us at this point right um and i think that's what needs to be kind of pushed in in the the government political uh talks now so in other words they just need to get have more resources to find jobs and mental health right and- right right because i mean you know in when you think of affordable housing, you probably may think of like a, a housing project or so forth. But, you know, the buildings that I oversee, these look like, I mean, and for all intents and purposes, are A-plus buildings. You know, they've got the uh, the coarse countertops, the this, the that, um, mm-hmm. you know. But at the same time, developers want, you know, the, the, the people that can not tear up their building. You know, so there's there's another there's another side to it. Okay, you got to meet a certain criteria, criteria. Mm-hmm. in order to for us to help you. You know, so that's why I'm saying it, it it's the ment- it's the mental health, uh, just the overall. We got to help them get to so a certain are, level. So are are some of these um, buildings empty then? Um, that's a good question. That you know, I haven't even. I wouldn't know the statistics behind that, um, but to a degree, yeah, some of them are. And so you start putting in instead of the homeless population, it's just the the low income, you know. And so mm-hmm. you start looking at the people that meet that are below the poverty line, and so that's how they get them, you know, filled up. Or you look for uh, uh, targeted populations like veterans, mm-hmm. um, or or uh, yeah, you know. Well, this sort of moves into also the issue of gentrification of neighborhoods right, and right. changing of neighborhoods. And there's we've talked about this a little bit, um, but the it seems like almost every new development is some kind of luxury yeah. building. Yeah. And I get, you know, just from pure dollars and cents point of view, that's what makes money or right. whatever, and these are expensive or whatever. But what are your thoughts on that kind of thing, at least from the, the standpoint of of an architect and someone who's in that world? Like, what, what, what do people talk about? I mean, are there people, I imagine they're concerned about this. So we're not even talking about homeless people, but, but people who, who have jobs and right. make money, but don't right. make that much money. Yeah, yeah. I mean, me, for example. <laughs> um yeah, no, I think about that on a daily basis. You know, I'm 27 trying to figure out, you know, where I'm going to move to and this, and you know, just it's it's a struggle, you know. Uh, but I think what we're seeing is, you know, that the luxury development uh, for an architect, I think they love it because, you know, when you have a, a, a private developer that isn't using government funds, you know, and is building this luxury building, that's your opportunity for an architect to just splurge on, okay. you know, your design, you know, so that it works. However, at the same time, I don't think that this this whole culture of luxury development is sustainable. Um, and I think in the next year or two, maybe, years is a little too soon. I would say two to two and a half years, um, you're just going to see 
like I don't want to call a crash. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, you're going to see a, a bit of a crash, and we're already seeing it in downtown. Um, you know, all these condos, apartments are are going up, but they're not getting filled. Right. They're just too pricey. That's interesting. I think that some of the luxury apartment complexes, with you know, with housing being so expensive here in LA, people who can't afford homes but make a good living are living in these complexes. Right. So it's just everything's sort of intertwined. It's yeah. like yeah. Once there's a housing market crash, maybe Everything it can else. reset. Exactly. Yeah. I, it, it pretty much everything. That's what we're I, helping, right? I think everything is yeah. going to reset. You yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm, that's what I'm that's I think what we're I'm all saying. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, otherwise, we're all going to have to leave LA. Yeah, right? <laughs> otherwise, we're all going to have to move. Right, right. <laughs> it's crazy yeah, I, here in LA. I, I, yeah. You guys kind of hit it on the head. Is I, I think it's truly going to reset. And that's just, you know, kind of my opinion. And we'll see you know, the price of housing go down and we'll see the price of these luxury apartments go down and yeah, pretty much everything reset. I mean, they say, you know, economic bubbles come in periods of eight or 10 and right. we're way overdue on that. Yeah. So yeah. based yeah. on the history, you know, we're due for, you know, another kind of crash, right. as they would say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, ex well, I was going to say, Except we have a genius as president. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Uh, sorry, it's a non-political show. <laughs> so what did you think of the State of the Union, Russ? <laughs> oh, um, no, we're not going to talk about politics. Well, so from a career point of view, you know, you're, you're kind of just getting started. Um, I don't know if you're if you have any thoughts about what you want to do going forward. Or are you just going to, you know, get that? you don't have a crystal ball or whatever, but like, do you, do you know where you'd like to take your career? Yeah. Um, to a degree. So eventually now that I look back at, you know, my childhood and my interest in buildings and, 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 you know, architecture now and my understanding of the whole development process and construction, I think my lane is eventually becoming a developer. Um, and I think the position that I'm in right now is the perfect position because, you know, I'm a construction manager. See it all. I, right, right. I see it all. Yeah. I work with the architects. I work with the general contractors. I get to see the problems, the ins, the outs of, you know, a project from start to finish. Um, and so eventually I want to do, I want to be a developer. What kind of development? I, I don't know. I still haven't kind of nailed that down, but I really am fascinated with uh, the process that, a real estate developer kind of goes through from, you know, any building that they build. That sounds like a really exciting career, actually. Yeah. Sounds amazing. So how do you think you're going to get there? It's <laughs> a good question. Oh, my God. Where's the crystal ball yeah, now? Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I... No, but it's nice that you have a vision. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I take it one step at a time. Mm -hmm. uh, I think right now the best thing I could do for myself is just continue to learn in this position. You know, I've learned a lot in what, since 2017, but you know, there's still stuff that I, I run into every day um, that is just new, you know? So until, uh, you know, I can get to a point where I'm comfortable, not complacent. I, I don't ever want to get complacent with anything that I do. Uh, to where I'm comfortable, to where I can take the next step. I don't know what the next step may be. Maybe it's starting in, you know, residential real estate. Uh, I don't know, flipping a house or two or, you know, just trying to do something on a small scale and try and multiply and get that to a, a larger scale. 
One thing I wanted to address, and this is true with any profession, but one thing we've talked about, Jamie and I have talked about is, you know, one of the hardest things of any job is dealing with people. Yeah. And it sounds like in your job, you're dealing with a <laughs> lot of people with a lot of different agendas. Yes. So talk about how you address that. Because, you know, again, and I know I talk too much when I ask questions, but... uh <laughs> But like, you know, you're like, uh, you're an architecture student, you're dreaming up projects, no one's thinking about this. Right. But then you get into the work world and suddenly you got six different people yelling at you. Oh, yeah. You're trying to make everyone be diplomatic and yeah. all that stuff. Talk about how you deal with that. Um, Man, literally just take it one email at a time, one conversation at a time, one meeting at a time, you know, so on any given day. I'm juggling probably, I don't know, at least six different projects, you know, and that's just a, a combination of emails, meetings, phone calls, uh, you know, between whatever I'm working on. For the record, I currently work on 10 projects. Wow. You know, so I go to at least two job sites a day, you know, and I'm, you know, working with different sets of general contractors and architects um, and, and owners. Um so, yeah, I mean, how do you manage the different personalities, relationship? You know, it's literally just have to take it one by one, yeah. person by person, case by case. Um, you know, I can be in one meeting where the general contractor is behind on schedule and isn't taking responsibility for being behind on schedule. And they think that, you know, we're stupid enough to not understand, you know, how they schedule things. And I've got to call them out in a meeting, you know, and it's it's like, well. Part of it is you got to have the confidence. And I think what presenting in architecture school does for you in front of that crowd is getting you comfortable speaking in front of people, getting you comfortable speaking up. You know, so I think that is definitely one tool that I can appreciate from architecture school, even though I hated presenting. <laughs> Nobody likes presenting. You know, it's, it's one of those things you're like, ah, oh, can I just turn it in and get a grade? You know, but. Uh, it, it's going to help you, um, even for somebody who does traditional architecture, because eventually you're going to be the architect who they send out to the site right. to to talk to the general contractor, or the owner, or so forth. So it, it's a case by case thing. You know, some meetings are are easy. You know, mm -hmm. they they'll be about thirty minutes. Other meetings I have, I'm sitting there for an hour and a half, going back and forth with, you know, an architect who doesn't want to uh, change the design or thinks that they understand the cost impact and we're like well show us show us yeah. where we can get this you know and then i'm dealing with uh you know the government agencies that are funding and they're like well what's going on with this or i'm dealing with the the developers uh bank representative who's making sure that everything's copacetic and mm -hmm. is going you know so it's it's everybody um but when i first started it was definitely overwhelming i'm like oh my god how do i do this but it's a lot of organization. If you see my desk at work, it's like, <laughs> it's it's extremely organized. My emails got subfolders for each project. And it's just like, you got to take it one at a time, you know? Um, I use lunch breaks, you know, uh, not to answer emails, but just to catch myself up right. on projects, mm -hmm. you know? So at least I'm knowledgeable going into my, my next meeting. Um, so it's, it's just a lot of organization to, to be able to handle it all. So have you seen a project from start to finish yet? Yes. Cool. That must be so rewarding. I uh, I just finished a project over in El Monte um, when I first started back in... Actually, I'm losing track of time. But when I first started at AMJ, 
was when the project started. We just closed out, I want to say last week on my first full project. Um, so that was really exciting, you know, because when I got there, you know, we're digging out dirt on a, a, a site, you know, and, you know, I saw it when they were building the, the subterranean garage to, you know, five stories up and it, you know, that was rewarding for me because it was like, Absolutely. wow, you know, that this is your first, right? this is the first notch under your belt. Yeah. You know, so do, do other project managers ha- um, have architecture degrees or, I mean, you have that, so that's very valuable. Yeah. So, I mean, our company is really small. There's only five of us. Um, it's, it's a family owned business, um, father, two sons, and then me and uh, my coworker, George, who is a Woodbury alumni. And George has a architecture degree. Um, and then the head boss, Jack Sr., he has an engineering degree. Um, and then one of his sons, I believe, has an engineering degree or something, something related. And then the other son has like a business degree, but has been in the business since his, you know, his father's been doing it for a forever really mm-hmm. you know so he learned the business so um we all come from different kind of walks of the construction real estate development architecture industries um and just all come together as one kind of copacetic unit and where's the office our office is in eagle rock los angeles nice. right on the border of where pasadena yeah. is mm-hmm. okay. yeah. what's your um like day-to-day like day-to-day oh man I have long days. <laughs> so I wake up at 4 a.m. Not for work. Well, that she does that too. So not uh, for work. It doesn't even phase you to hear that. I, well, I rolled so my I, eyes. It is early, but yeah, I, I thought I'm glad I'm not the only cuckoo. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, I do it so that I can go to the gym, you know, right. I'll, yeah. I'll do about stay sane. Yeah. 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 Stay totally. sane because I mean, the job can drive yeah. you crazy, just yeah. always answering emails and so forth. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that 4 a.m. to, I don't know, 6 a.m. is just, it's me Your time. Time, time right. to clear, you know, just yeah. do something that's non-work related. Um, so, you know, my commute is about an hour every day. Um, so I get to work about 7.30 on any given day. Um, don't really have to be there until 8. You know, really... We're very non-conventional. You know, everybody's in and out of the office all the time because we've got multiple projects that we oversee, you know. So I'm never kind of locked down to a mm-hmm. desk and a computer. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I like to get in early, go through my emails, make sure I'm, you know, briefed on on my day, um, you know, and then I go out to my first meeting, um, wherever it is, and, you know, orchestrate that, go over the problems, uh, make sure everybody's on the same page, uh, then I'll come back to the office, do a little paperwork from that meeting, catch some lunch, go to my next meeting, you know, kind of the same process. Now, depending on where I am, I might come back to the office and, you know, kind of do the debrief again, or I might go home for the day and I'll just come and, you know, do the back end paperwork the next day. Um, but yeah, I mean, after work, go home. I don't touch. Have a few cocktails. Right. Yeah. <laughs> on, a, on, a, on a Friday. Yeah, definitely. Um, but I, one thing that I really started doing, uh, just to also keep that, that level of saneness is I don't touch work after I leave the office, mm-hmm. you know, so I may see the phone and I may right. see the outlook email come through, but I'm not going to answer it. You know, it can, it can wait until in the morning. Um, so yeah. 
Unless it's a crisis. Exactly. (laughs) And I've only, that literally, that has only happened maybe once. Yeah. That's a good way to look at it. I think I'm going to do that. Yeah, no, I've I've actually thought a lot about that. (laughs) That's a really good way. I like being able to see what comes in, but not respond. You always respond. Well, (laughs) he's like, That's what I'm saying. I'm going to try that. We're both addicted to our our phones. Uh, And I used to be. If he doesn't answer within like 10 minutes, I'm like, Something's wrong. I didn't answer today when you. Yeah, and you didn't answer something I said to you yesterday (laughs) either. Uh oh. (laughs) Um, uh, You talked about. Um, Noma, yeah. right? Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about that since I want to get your thoughts. You know, architecture is not known for its diversity, right? Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts on that? Like in terms of like, how can that shift? Because our Dean Ingelow often Love her. talks about this. She yes. often talks about we have, I believe, something like 70% of our students identify as uh, people of color, I yeah. think, yeah, yeah. Um, which is great. Yeah. Uh, but across the board, that's not the case, right? So, like, how, how does that shift? Um, that's a good question. Um, I think it, it's going to have to start with architecture firms in general. Um, I think architecture firms like to find the students that have it all together and know exactly what they're doing so that they don't have to teach, mm-hmm. you know, but one component for those of you that don't know about architecture, you have an internship portion in order to get the license that right. you have to fulfill. So what that means is you have to go work at an architecture firm. You have to learn the like the 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 nitty gritty of the profession. You have to learn. You have to troubleshoot. You have to mess up. And what we're finding right now is, in my well, at least in my opinion, architecture firms don't like to teach. You know, it's it's very rare. And what I like about you know the job fair here is all the firms that I encountered. You know, they were they at least want all kinds of. They want the 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 the, the diversity. They want students that don't know what they're doing, you know, because they understand um, that they have to teach. But, you know, you go out to other walks of life and it's it's the teaching problem. And I think what turns minority students away is the fact that, you know, sometimes there's the language barrier or sometimes there's the lack of somebody not looking like you or the, you know, just the intimidation Uh of that all. And so they don't, they're not, I would say a portion aren't even applying to do that. Mm-hmm. And then the ones that are, they just go, they're, they're going through the regular employment process, right? You know, where like, you know, you send in your resume, you know, you try and get, uh, you know, looked at or, or you try and get noticed. Uh, you get the interview, maybe bomb it so you don't get one, you get discouraged. So it's, it's, it's a little bit of all of that. And I don't know, I... Like I said, I don't, I don't know uh, the the diversity portion. It I, it really has to come from the architecture firms just kind of taking a stand and saying, mm-hmm. hey, you know, we're gonna hire this many. And you know, I don't I don't I don't know if you really have to put a number on the diversity. It has to be a commitment, right? Basically. But it ha- it has to be a commitment, you know, and you have to stick to it. You have to want to be. Uh, the change basically, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. I, I think nobody's really because um, to their defense, 
business is booming right, right now. You know, so they've got all kinds of projects still trying to get more. You know, everybody's my, 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 my. I want it. I want it. I want it. You know, and as a result, you you just need people that you know have it right away. But I think you got to have at least one or two people in the office that are willing to teach. Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to say, do you have an opportunity to mentor right now? Is that something or is it something you want to do as you move forward? Yeah, definitely. Career? Definitely moving forward. I I mean, I would definitely love to, to, to be a, an architectural mentor. I don't know if my line is necessarily attractive to the average architecture student. Um, maybe an, an architecture student that wants to go down my path. Mm-hmm. Yes, of course. But, you know, I, I, I consciously took a different path because of all these things, mm-hmm. you know, the, 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 the levels of diversity, the, I, like I said, I applied to over a hundred, mm-hmm. you know, and couldn't really land one, uh, until summer of sophomore year. And that was temporary. And then, you know, the end of, uh, when I graduated here and that was with a development company. Hmm. Um, so I think a lot of architect, like architecture students want to go down that conventional path because it's a very committed path, right? You go into architecture, you've got this five-year program, uh, you got to fulfill this internship, you got to take the test just to get this license, right? And so it's like, once you get in, a lot of them just, no, I got to get it. I got to get it. I got to get it. I'm not going to get, I'm not going to steer off the track because I got, I have to get that license, you know? And so that's why I said, for me, I'm always willing to, to, to help mentor anybody. Um, does our company do that right now? We're very small. Right. Um, yeah, I'm not a decision maker. Um, but you know, just as like a, just on a friend level. Yeah. If somebody reached out to me and said, Hey, what do I need to do? Or what can I do? I would definitely do that. So you're being, you were really diplomatic about that. But what I'm hearing is that the major firms or even the small architecture firms are not, they, they're, they're not diversifying basically is what you're saying that they're, they're just, they're just saying, screw that. Right. Okay. Mm. Yeah. So are you also, and correct me if I'm wrong, you would have taken the traditional path if you would have had the opportunity? That's yes and no. Um, like I said, I think I'm more fascinated with development. So you're ha- you're kind of right. happy I'm, it led your yes, path went that yes, way. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. Um, okay. I think archi- the traditional architecture path not working out even helped me kind of hold on to the the path that I'm going down even more. But you know, once I got into it, I was like, oh my god, I do not want to sit behind a chair, a desk, a computer drafting all day. You know, I mean, because truth be told, when you're an intern, what do they have you do? They have you do stairs, stair details and, and bathroom doors, you know. Huh. Interesting. I you didn't know, know that. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, truthfully, that's what they have you do until you get it right, until they can trust you to do something else. Right. And so the the kids that do get the internships, that's what they do, you know. And then it's like it takes them X five years to even get to, you know, just being on the project team, you know, and then it's. It's a slow chain that can drive you crazy. And I just was not willing to go down that path. Fascinating. It is. I was um, just thinking about our alum, um, Ignacio Rodriguez. Oh, yeah. I was, yeah, yeah, everyone knows Ignacio. Yeah, He's like famous know. around here, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, Ignacio has his own firm. I can't remember exactly yeah. what it's called. IR? IR yes. Architects, yeah. Yes. And he's a big supporter of our university. Oh, and yeah. 
scholarships and so forth. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's uh, it's fascinating. He. I, I, I don't know. I don't want to start being the marketing person here. I was going to say how much he, he values Woodbury and that Woodbury really helped him get his start. Yeah. So I think that's... Well, and the one cool. thing, and this is going to sound like marketing, and we don't want to do that, but we sometimes <laughs> yeah. do go in there, is that we do have, and, and we're, we should be very proud of the fact that we have a, uh, a very large uh, minority Absolutely. population yeah. of, of architecture students. So... Let's hope that can help be the change uh, yeah. in terms of that was getting... actually that was one of the things that attracted me to you know Woodbury when I walk through the class and I you know I'm, I'm looking I'm like wow you know we've got Middle Eastern uh, population we got you know African American uh, Asian American you know just mm-hmm. all walks of and of, a lot of women yeah and a yeah. lot of our Definitely. professors yeah. are women yeah. Definitely. Yeah. yeah all cool. now are you were you one of those people who were were you in the studio at 2 a.m. or are you not that? Because not working. that person. Okay. I, I do not function well late into the early morning, nighttime. Um, I def- you have to get to bed early if you're waking yeah, up at four. Yeah. Hey, so, I, we're on the same <laughs> schedule. High five. <laughs> I mean, uh, t- to be fair, like I said, you don't learn how to manage architecture until you're thrown into it. So back when I was in Tucson, Arizona, um, you know, at the University of Arizona doing architecture. Yeah, I was there all night, you know, but what you what I found is I wasn't getting I wasn't being more productive. I wasn't getting more done. I was just up trying to figure it out right. and my brain was like frying, oh. you know. Yeah. So, I just I learned how to manage my time better, you know. So, my cutoff on any given night uh was 1 a.m. Mm. You know, and classes here don't really start until nine eight thirty ish so mm. still got a decent d- decent amount of sleep um but yeah that that was my cutoff and if i gotta wake up and come to studio early and work on something that's what i'm gonna do but i'm not gonna stay up past one and not accomplish anything right great great interview yeah this has been really good really yeah, fun. and Thanks i know you're for, super for busy and you came in to yes. chat with us i no, love it no problem it was it was a nice it went by fast didn't it It did i did how long were we here i don't even know almost we definitely used up our time <laughs> so so we really appreciate your time and good luck thank yeah. you for having me thanks thank austin you.